Congratulations, Finkley, for your win as the South Carolina Black Pages 20 under 40. I just want to say I love you and I appreciate everything you do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first Michael Finkley Show. Sometimes I can't see in front of me, but all I have to do is Hello everybody, welcome to the Michael Finkley Show. I'm Michael Finkley. Today's the day, y'all. Season finale. Oh my gosh. It's just so bittersweet. It's just so bittersweet. Today is Monday, November 23rd, 2020. We made it. We made it to this point. Blessings on blessings on blessings. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Michael Finkley Show and ring that bell for notification. And we'll see you on email saying, hey, new content uploaded. Thank you so much to our subscribers, our viewers, our future subscribers, our future viewers. We are The Michael Finkley Show. And we're here to inform, educate, and inspire you. Today is our season finale, y'all. Can you believe it? Eight months, 67 shows, and 97 guests. I just, this is so surreal. I literally am at a loss for words. You all made this possible. You made my dreams come true. You, the viewers, you, the guests, everyone, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the ones that have, that gave me input and the ones that gave me advice on how to improve on, and we're still improving. We're definitely still improving. Y'all, picture it. April 13th, 2020, we launched from our bedroom, <laughs> from our bedroom here in South Carolina. At the time, we were living with our parents. We were going through a pandemic. And this has been a long time coming. I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. And so I made up in my mind in March of this year that I decided to launch The Michael Finkley Show to inform, educate, and inspire you. And also along with myself, this has been a journey of blessings on this awesome yellow brick road and I am just still floored with overwhelm, with love, with shock, with surprise. It's happening and I truly believe when people say go out and make it happen, this is it. I'm making it happen and you all are assisting majorly, majorly along the way and I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Thank you for making my dreams come true. I told myself when I launched in March, well, planned in March, launched in April of this year that I was going to bring on guests that had incredible stories that can share that at some point in their life that they would not ever have a platform to share their story. But when they started speaking, we as a person, as a host, we began to listen and we begin to apply various lessons that people were sharing to us. We have interviewed local celebrities. We have interviewed celebrities that have a name um, within the world. Your average Joes that you see in the grocery stores or what have you. And again, it has been a true 
blessing for us. Y'all take a look at some of the guests. Introduction? She's the cousin. She is the awesome Miss Nicole Boom. And the person beside me knows of all about this awesome aspect of music. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Mr. Lorenzo Owens. Lorenzo, <laughs> you may recognize him. I'm telling you. He may have grown him just a little bit. If you um, tuned in to the show all that like I did growing up on Saturday nights on Nickelodeon, you recognize him. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Mr. Leon Frierson. Leon, hey, thank, you so everybody. thank you so much for coming back. And so today we have former NFL player. We have best-selling Arthur. We have speaker, consultant, none other than Marcus Ogden with us today. Marcus, thank you. Say welcome back to the Michael Binkley Show. Now, this next guest, he does not truly need an introduction because you already know who he is. Two-time Grammy-nominated singer and writer and American Idol alumnus, Mr. Chip Days. Chip! Wow. I couldn't put everyone in that, all 67 shows and 97 guests, I couldn't put it all in that. But that was just a small representation of the many persons that said yes when I reached out, that said, we will do it. I have a story to tell, reached out to me that said, Finkley, I want to be on because I want to share this with the world. Again, I say thank you. And so our platform, we want to not only feature persons that um, have incredible stories and, you know, that have things happening for themselves, but we also want to feature things that are happening in the world. Our very first show, we talked about distance learning. We had teachers, we had parents on, uh, we had students on just to talk about that experience. March was a very difficult time. It was a very swift transition from classroom to distance learning. And then again, we're going through a pandemic. So we were able to then talk with professionals that were in the hospital rooms, they were in the ERs and just helping persons that were dealing with COVID. We talked with two nurses, Myosha Robinson and Toya Williams, and they told their stories. And I'm telling you, it was a credible experience. One in California and one in South Carolina. So different perspectives of the world, of the country, excuse me. Take a look at this hearing the news and the media, how many deaths there are, but, but we have to realize that a lot of people are recovering from this as well, and they are telling their tales. Um, so recovered from the coronavirus, 59,749 um, deaths total of the coronavirus. You're looking at 33,082. Now, again, uh, this is the 18th of April, so I'm sure by the time this is aired, the numbers will go up dramatically. Um, and also, New York is leading the way in high numbers. Confirmed cases in New York as of now, um, 222,284 um, recovered from the coronavirus, 17,089, and then deaths from the coronavirus in New York, 14,636. Again, it is still around and it's still affecting people. Um, as of April 15th, um, the president has announced um, reopening various states. Um, again, just reopening, reopening the, the country as in going back to work, as in going back to school. Take a look at what he had to say. Tomorrow, I'll also be leading a call with elected officials who will consult with my administration as we work to restore our economy to full speed 
And we really think with all of the stimulus and all of the pent-up demand, we're going to have an economy that really comes back quickly. And we'd like to see it more than match what we had before. What we had before was a miracle, and we think this is going to be even more than a miracle. We're going to do it because we have the greatest people in the world. We'll also be speaking to America's governors tomorrow, and then we'll be announcing exactly what's happening. You already know we'll be opening up states, some states much sooner than others. And we think some of the states can actually open up before the deadline of May 1st. And I think that that will be a very exciting time indeed. Governors are looking forward. They're chomping at the bit to get going. This is my face right now. Why would you, as the leader of the free world, reopen the country before even the deadline, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, of May 1st, and continue to unleash this virus. People are still being affected by it. Even though they may not be dying from it, they have it. It's affecting them. They, they have to quarantine themselves. They have to keep themselves away from people. They have to, it's just, why? Why? That just really makes no sense to me. You know, you're you're giving you're giving the the governors um, the power to you know do what may and reopening the, their states or what have you. But at the end of the day, they have to listen to you. So why would you want to even right now think about? I know that a lot of people I've talked to or text or what have you, they're like, I'm tired, I'm bored. But y'all, stay inside. Stay inside, stay inside, stay inside, so this thing would not affect any more people. I've seen too many of um, persons in the professional, uh, the profession of healthcare, um, pleading on Facebook, on Instagram, or on television. Please stay home. Please stay home. Wash your hands. Try not to be around people. Getting real. It is real. Here in Los Angeles, California, we are definitely seeing the cases coming in. We're definitely getting the patients. I have been working in the ICU for the entirety of my six years as a nurse, and I have never seen anything like this. And I think my colleagues can all say the same thing. This is real. There has currently been an influx of cases for the coronavirus, so it's definitely important that we help flatten the curve. Some tips and tricks that you can use at home. Number one, hand washing. Hand washing is very effective when it comes to reducing the spread of many viruses and bacteria. 20 seconds is the recommended time to properly wash your hands. Two, you can also use a mask. Surgical masks are normally the ones that you see in the hospital. And a N95 respirator mask is a little more expensive, however, you definitely, um, is very effective when it comes to protecting yourself and others from the spread of the COVID-19. Cloth mask, although very creative, is very important that you have a filter in place for those masks. You can also double layer in order to reduce that spread, as well as placing the filter as stated before. Wiping your counters with Clorox wipes, Lysol, um, things of the sort in order to reduce that spread of the virus and the bacteria. Definitely try not to touch your face or your eyes or, um, or inside your mouth if you have been touching public areas uh, with your hands. Uh, you definitely want to make sure that you try to not do that so that way you can reduce that spread. 
when you are out and about grabbing your essentials, it's definitely important that you are practicing social distancing. And I tell you, this information is still going strong. At one point, we did see a decrease, but now in certain parts of the world, we are seeing an increase once more. So again, continue to practice social distancing, wear your mask, take care of yourself. If you don't need to go out, don't go out. You know, all these different gatherings that are coming up, holiday seasons. We know we love our family, what have you, but we have to do it in a different way. Again, not only are we saving our lives, but we're saving the lives around us as well. So the information they gave us back in April still stands today. Again, I thank you for being on our show. And so as, as life continued within these months, we saw a lot of other events that were happening as well. And one of these events that took a very personal toll on me at the time and still is, is the Black Lives Matter movement still. And so we addressed this in a very special show um, when the events of George Floyd happened and I was able to speak what was on my mind. And not along with that, a few weeks after that, we had a panel of black males to come together and just talk about the different events that were happening in the world and asking the question, where does black America go from here? Take a look. This was years ago, as you know, I lived in New Hampshire for a number of years and I was coming back from church. Now the part, uh, the church I went to was um, very, still is, very mixed. You know, whites, blacks, Hispanic, you know, all come together for one purpose, giving our praise. And so as I was, I worked all that day and Friday, Friday nights was usually our choir rehearsals. And so I went to choir practice, just dead tired, but uh, made that sacrifice and going. And um, after I was leaving, you know, like I said, the, where, where the church is, is in Pelham, New Hampshire. And down the road is actually um, Lowell, Massachusetts, which is more diverse than Pelham, New Hampshire, which is 96% Caucasian, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, I was leaving, um, heading back the Pelham way to get to my town of Manchester, New Hampshire. And so I noticed this cop behind me. And so he was behind me for about five minutes. I wasn't speeding or doing anything out of the norm. And all of a sudden I saw the lights go off. I'm like, okay. So I pull over. I always remember what my mama told me about just using your manners, being polite, especially towards that type of authority. And so uh, he came to my car, asked for my license, all that good jazz. Now again, I was already petrified um, at that point. Uh, knew, knowing I didn't do anything wrong, but again, you know, what I've seen and what I've heard. And so he took my license and he didn't even go back to his car to like run my plates or anything. He just began to interrogate me, um, just asking just questions about, you know, where you going, where you came from, is this your car, is this your address? And he did this for like five minutes. Um, and I was again just petrified, just just scared, just scared. And so after five minutes, he said, "Oh yeah, your tag light is out, and have a good night." That was it. And so when I got home, I checked my tag light. It wasn't out. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, maybe he said brake light. You know, maybe he said brake light. Maybe I could just check my brake light. So I checked my brake light and um, they were all working fine. So you first profiled me and then began to question me. This black male in this all white neighborhood, why are you here? That means that you should be, hmm. As a violent people, right? Which we've always been depicted that way, right? So we have to always be mindful of that. Like, yeah, I agree, right? We have to, we have to get back to that point where we knew the value of the black people. We knew the value of ourselves. We know how much power we possess, right? We have to get back into saying, looking at ourselves and say, listen, forget what they're trying to portray, but this is, this is about us, right? We gotta love, we need to love ourselves. Come on, Bruce. I don't care about getting them to love us. It's not about them loving us or how they view us. It's about mm -hmm. how we view ourselves and how we treat ourselves. And that's what we gotta get back to. Because it doesn't matter if, like you mentioned earlier, we can do everything right, but they still hate us. Yeah. Right? We can see crime, the black on black crime from a from a systematic from from a from a data standpoint, zero out. Right? Guess what they're still gonna say? Mm-hmm. They're still black crime. Y'all still ain't y'all still ain't nothing. Y'all still the N-word. Mm-hmm. Y'all still animals. Mm -hmm. yes, so again, the, the media is going to say, oh, it, it's the black on black crime, right? Take care of your own neighborhood, then worry about everybody else. There's, there's crime in every neighborhood. Every neighborhood. But it's our neighborhood that are being shown the most. What a journey this has been. But we have more to share. We'll be right back. The Finkley Experience is an educational consulting firm that specializes in first-generation education. We assist parents and their students with the college process. We train school administrators, and we also partner with colleges and universities to assist with their first-generation population. To learn more about our consulting firm and to purchase our book and workbook, please visit our website at thefinkleyexperience.com. Looking for a mentoring program for your young male between the age of 6 and 18 in Columbia, South Carolina? Well, look no further. Big Homie, Little Homie Mentoring Program is the program for you. Under the leadership of Mr. Jamal Stroud, Big Homie, Little Homie is a 50C3 nonprofit organization that caters and mentors at-risk youth that come from single-parent homes. The organization caters to young males between the ages of 6 and 18 within the greater Columbia area. The organization is devoted to shaping and molding their life into great men of society. Big Homie Little Homie organizes male gatherings, discussions, and even educational assistance devoted to guiding and leading them into a positive light. Making a positive attitude will help in transforming a life regardless of what is experienced in life. For more information on Big Homie, Little Homie Mentoring Program, visit our social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
winter. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Michael Finglish Show. We are still celebrating our season finale. Just imagine back in April and here we are in November and oh, blessings on blessings on blessings, I tell you. And my heart is just still so full. Y'all, y'all making my dreams come true. I, ah, I just can't get over this. I just can't. Just, it was just a thought. It was just a thought. And now here we are. And eight months later. And 67 shows later. And 97 guests later. And eight months later, here we are. And we're still inspired since like the day one we were in April. And we're just so excited to be here. Thank you so much again. And so I tell you, when we first started this channel on YouTube, we had 14 subscribers. We are now well on our way to 300. And I tell you, viewership, we had a little under 500 viewers on this channel. Now I am happy to say that we are over 10,000 strong because of you. You're watching and I, and I definitely hope that you're getting something from this because I know that every time I sit down and I click on this camera and I open that computer to talk with someone, I know that I am. I make it a choice to get something out of each and every conversation. And again, I'm just so excited. I'm a better person of it. Now during this time, there were a lot of difficult shows. Um, two that really stood out to me, not as in difficult as in, you know, persons or, you know, what have you, but just the, the, the subject matter at hand because every show that I come up with I try to have a subject matter and again persons that fit into that category we invite on and so two stories in particular one Mr. Corey Beck now remember he was adopted by a white family and he tells his tale of how that went for him growing up and just some realizations now that he as an adult are kind of dealing with and one thing that really stood out to me that you will see in the clip, I'm still having trouble with. And then also to our 9-11 special where we interview persons that were majorly affected, even involved in 9-11. And Lieutenant Singleton found out that he's my South Carolina homeboy, literally. And he tells his tale and you can see how emotional that he gets. How emotional that he gets. Um, in this interview and talking about his story telling you it was all this was happening and then I found out that our dear brother our South Carolina, South Carolina native Chadwick Bozeman passed away so just dealing with the baggage I'm dealing with of the, of the stories and just kind of coping with that thinking about it and this happened it was it was something it was definitely something so take a look at this Curious though, what are your thoughts about the N word? Oh man, was it used often in your head um, growing up, or something that you decided to use or not use yeah. as growing yeah. up or outside <laughs> of college or what have you? Man, oh man, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. I got a crazy story for you by accident, Michael. Or share, please. Not gonna want me to, but I will. Okay. Um. So. I um. What I I. 
I used to this word, I don't know, when I was growing up, yeah, I used to say it in the songs and not really know, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, so I would say it and then you'd sort of, you know, get in trouble for saying the word. So some authorities, you know, you know, hey, don't say that. Okay, whatever. Um, as I got older, to me, it just became more of a word. Mm-hmm. Like the and. Mm-hmm. It's just a word. They're just putting it in songs. You know, just because you listen to something doesn't mean you have to become it. Right. Um, but it's more of how you use it in the intent, what makes me very upset. So, um, unfortunately, I've had it used in a, an intent. I have an experience where it was used in an intent to hurt, you know, where my mother, when I was in high school, called me it. Um, so when it's used in, with the intent to hurt, it um, definitely angers me and others. Um, but um, other than that, I just try to give it no power and just the power of just another word, unless the individual is trying to use it with malicious intent. So, but after my experience, I try not to let people, even when using it with malicious intent, get to me. Um, so that's my thoughts on it. So your mother used it? And uh, experience, yes, sir. Wow. 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 Get up as I was skidding because to be completely out of the collapse zone, you need to be the distance equal to the height and a half of a building. Mm-hmm. Away wow. from it to be really. So That's a long way. Yeah, I knew that I was dead. So I was on my hands and knees and I could hit a tower. This is the North Tower, collapsing in back of me, pancaking, picking up momentum as one floor crashed into the next. And then the sound dissipated. And now this dust cloud came over and every breath was suffocating. So I said, hey, Clarence, what are you gonna do? I said, okay, use your training. And um, as I'm on the ground, I was hunched up and uh, I was waiting for the big piece of metal to hit me. And it was peaceful. I didn't envision my life, you know, flashing in front of me, none of that stuff. And I said to myself, I said, ah, this is it. I'm going home to meet my maker. And I said to myself, we had lost, I think it was four firefighters on, I think it was Father's Day earlier that year, I think around, I don't know, whenever Father's Day was. And I said, I'm going to die just like those guys did. This wall is going to hit me. So, of course, that did. telling you difficult subject matters. And I tell you, it was it's still something to this day, still something to this day. But I'm happy to say the guests that I that I have on, I keep in contact with. I just feel that it is right. You know, we support them in all their ways. We've had authors on. We've had um, persons that do cookbooks and, you know, um, chefs and all these different industries and businesses that we've had on. We keep in contact with them. We definitely keep in contact with them because, again, we know that it's just right. And again, the support system is there as well. So I hope you remember the interview with Christopher Morgan. Now, he is the husband of Kim Fields. You may remember, remember her from Living Single and The Facts of Life. And me and Chris met years ago via social media. And when I decided to do the Michael Finkley show, 
I reached out to him, my dear brother, and uh, he said yes. Yes, definitely yes. And a lot of the things that we talked about that were not included in the show, it was magic. He told me a story where um, other persons that he, he's known that started different platforms like this, um, you know, never reached back out to him. And I was the first. And so that really did my heart so well. But here was another moment that was not even on the show. He was talking about his father and I was talking about my grandfather because I was primarily raised by him and it was amazing. It was an amazing moment. Take a look. I'd get home and I'd be like, Dad, you embarrassed the hell out of me. What were, what were you doing? Oh, I got off work early and uh, I was passing out of school and I thought, I want to see my boy. That was it. That was it. So, ooh, as my throat breaks up, that was, that's the example of affection that I have. That's why I'm the dad that I am. You know, I'll make plenty of mistakes. I'll leave them in plenty of wrong, I, I promise you. But I want them to see that so that they learn from that just like they learn from all the things that I'm telling them that they should do. I'm not perfect and I let them know that all the time. Hey, look, dad is trying to figure this out. Dad is not perfect. That is, that is so far from perfect. But I love you so much that my effort always will be. So judge me by my mistakes, just like you judge me by the things that you see that, that show how much I love you. Because all of it is me loving you. Yeah. Oh, you took me back, Chris. <laughs> hey. Took me back. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can relate to that as well. My grandfather was the same way. Even though he was that, uh, 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 you know, he'll hug you in a heartbeat. He give you a kiss on the cheek in a heartbeat. You know, and what I was so mad for years about was that he left me before he could teach me how to be a man. Left me, yeah, left me. So I had to learn on my own. Um, he didn't. I'm sorry. Um, he did. What's, what's, what's funny is when he left you, he had given you all he could. He didn't even know. And by God, from listening to you right now, I know you didn't. But Everything that you are as a man is what he gave. You're a tremendous man. So he obviously gave you enough. It's tough, Michael. I'm, uh, I'm two years into that great man over my shoulder leaving. And uh, you know, it was, it was he. It was a car accident. Oh. So it wasn't anything that any of us had, you know, time to prepare for or anything like that. But um, as I am getting better with my grief, because I still grieve every day. 
but as I'm getting better with it, uh, what I'm understanding is the, the gratitude that I have for the wealth that he left me, that he gave me, that he instilled in me. Everything that I am as a father, everything that I am as a husband and a man relates directly to what he gave me. Now, does that mean I'm doing it well? Not all the time. But that means I have a goal and a heart to always do it well. And I'm so grateful for the relationship that I had with him. I'm so grateful for what he was able to give me from what he had because our parents are all broken. We have to understand they came from less than we had. So as much as we can complain, as much as we suffer over what we don't have, we have to understand we were raised by people that had 10 times less. And they are broken 10 times over in ways that we'll never understand. But somehow the ones that pulled it off gave us all of themselves. All of themselves. To the point where we're the people we are now. I thought about it like that. Thank you so much, Chris. That is a moment I will never forget. As long as I live on this earth, I will never forget that. And then your support is overwhelming. I, I thank you so much. Uh, the, uh, the support, y'all, it makes a difference. It really makes a difference. And we were finishing up that conversation. He said, Finkley, whenever you have your own show or your own nighttime television, I want to be a guest. Brother, when it happens that I'm on this major network, you're going to be the first guest, okay? And we're going to talk about this moment that we had <laughs> on the Michael Finkley show on YouTube. Yes, we are, brother. Thank you so much again for being on. And so a lot of people ask me, Finkley, how do you choose your guests? And so I feel like I am very, I'm getting very good at choosing people and talking with people and that, right? And so we had a person on, his name is Steven Davidson. Now, how I came in contact with him, I was watching the local news here in South Carolina. And a lot of times the stations that I watch are affiliated with other states, right? And this um, new station covered a store based out of North Carolina. And so we found out in this story that he assisted into, um, for, assisted in actually bringing down the levels of anger at a protest, okay? It was amazing. He tells his tale. Here it is protest that could have gone wrong in its own right, but we have someone that assisted in that process to kind of turn the situation from being fatal. We have Mr. Um, Stephen Davison with us. Stephen, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, so take us back to that day. I know that there were a lot of things happening um, before um, you kind of intervened in your special way. Um, Lydia, she was a patron in, um, at Tony's Ice Cream and um, arrested on the premises of um, what she was wearing, that Black Lives Matter. Um, but protests began on that, on that day. So the next day, you came into the picture. How, how did, what happened? What are the events that happened on that next day? Um, the next day was, was, was meant to be a, uh, another peaceful protest. Um, 
Uh, the young lady was a, a North Carolina Central Law student. Um, we went to the same HBCU. So uh, it wasn't a, me being out there was an event to show support, not only for, um, you know, the cause, but also uh, I feel like black men should, should fill the gap. You know what I mean? Um, we, we should, we should have a presence in these protests as well, um, especially when it comes to uh, African-American women being there and, um, or any, really any woman being there um, and, and being on the front line. I feel like a man should be beside her just in case, you know, the events that happen, <laughs> uh, happens. Um, but what happened is a, a small group of protesters did show up at Tony's that day. Um, they were met by uh, a group of, I guess, counter-protesters. Um, that said they were there to make sure the establishment wasn't burned down or anything like that, which I do respect, um, right. especially right now um, in a time where small businesses are, are really taking a big hit because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the news clip uh, you, you showed, uh, it, it was about, you know, um, the connection that I, I shared with another veteran that was there. Mm -hmm. um, we actually started the conversation, started trying to break down a process uh, of, of the differences, trying to, to establish the differences. Um, and at that moment that our conversation started, a, a fight broke out across the parking lot. Um, that fight broke out across the parking lot and he and I both immediately uh, responded to the situation. Um, what we were trying to do is, like you said, de-escalate the situation, make sure no one got hurt. Um, the lady that pulled the gun, her husband actually assaulted um, an African-American woman at at that protest. Um, not only did he assault her, but he actually pulled a knife on everyone as well. Um, and when he went over there, when uh, I had my hand down pointing towards the ground, I was making sure that he was okay, not getting beat on. Um, but you know, just, you know, he's down, he's detained. And that's when his wife jumped out of the truck and she pulled a gun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at that point it was just, you know, me standing in between her and the protesters, making sure neither party escalated the situation, trying to make it any worse. Um, I've gotten flack from, <laughs> flack about it from both sides, but you know, it's, it's um, somebody told me that God puts you in places. Um, yeah. for and, uh, and, and I believe that, I was there that day for a reason. Exactly. Even for your words and just how you stepped in again, you know, again, we keep in contact with our guests and I actually reached out to him a few days ago and just to see how he was doing, how his family was doing, how things were going in that town. And he's seen more than ever because of the election, of course, that there was still division and he's even thinking about running for an office. And so I'm so excited for him. Stephen, whatever we can do here at the Michael Finkley Show for you, we are here for you. Thank you so much for your willingness to make change. And so we met this last, this next and last guest um, in New Hampshire. We became brothers like no other. And I'll tell you how much of a brother he is. When I didn't have any money and I couldn't afford bread, I reached out to him. I reached out to him and um, I went to his house and he right then and there had a bag of bread for me, a bag, loaves, loaves of bread for me. He wrote my name on it. He said, he said, bro, this is yours because this has your name on it. And it was the most touching thing, touching thing 
uh, at that time in my life and I, I still remember I still have that sheet of paper with my name on it but hear his amazing story and even in his condition of being paralyzed from a car accident he is still able to give to others and to still smile take a look but for this particular reason I didn't feel like driving on the way back home mm -hmm. which was odd so I remember I was getting um, and the passenger side, and just out of nowhere, something told me that something's about to happen, mm -hmm. but it's gonna be all right. Mm -hmm. And knowing um, about God as much as I do now, then I knew it was the voice of God let me know that something was gonna happen. Didn't know what, mm -hmm. but to an extent, but that was the voice of God. And he said, something is gonna happen but it's going to be alright. Yeah. And fast forward a couple hours later, accident happens, and here we are. So were you on the road by yourself, or um, what actually happened for it to, you know, for your car to be in that state? Um, honestly, we're not sure. We were um, we're actually heading back to, to New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, and everything happened right outside of Albany, New York, mm -hmm. which is about an hour and a half from, from my hometown. Um, I can remember <clears throat> I was um, I was laying back in the passenger side. Um, didn't have my seatbelt on mm -hmm. um, because for some reason I never wore my seatbelt on the passenger side. Mm -hmm. um, so people wear your seatbelts. Mm -hmm. Okay, take it from me, wear your seatbelts. Don't be too naive for me. I just never did, but it is what it is. Um, so I was laying back and I, I remember waking up just making sure my wife was all right. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And, and it, it seemed like it was just a blink of an eye and boom, it happened. Mm -hmm. It just happened and um, when we finally uh, came to um, I just remembered I wasn't able to move mm -hmm. um, I was very short of breath mm -hmm. and just started calling on the name of Jesus mm -hmm. um, just waiting for um, the responders to come and uh, remember hearing them come and seeing the lights flashing and then woke up in the hospital mm -hmm. yeah so um, the voice of God was right. Mm -hmm. Something was going to happen, but he said it was going to be all right. And even though it's been a long road, it's been a tough road. Mm -hmm. um, I've had many days of of tears and then wondering um, why and how. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's. It's been all right. Yeah. He's been providing. We got a roof over our head, clothes on our back, mm -hmm. and we're still here. That's it. That's the most important thing. We're still here. Yes, sir. We're still here. Yes, sir. So, and we're learning. Absolutely. We're learning each and every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. What type of procedures have you had within that time frame? It's been six years. Mm -hmm. So, Darius, we are still praying for you. We're, we're praying with you. 
I'm telling we text we try to text every week we try to text every week just to see how each other is doing so Darius thank you for being on like when I again when I first started this platform I said I got to have him on to tell his story got to have him on and he is doing very well still in high spirits along with his wife thank you so much now I couldn't cover everybody I couldn't cover everybody but I'm telling you 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 and you thank you from um, Gregory Fulton to again he was the person that lost his job during a pandemic and one of our local people and he found a job just from asking a simple question over the phone how can I help you to all the many persons our black authors our business owners everyone that shared everyone that gave advice thank you so very much again you all made the Michael Finkley show and of course we couldn't leave you without having one more guest on Brandon Campbell he is on with us and we met via TikTok all right we met via TikTok and he has an incredible story to tell so when we come back this is what you will be hearing we'll be right back next we chat with Brandon as he tells his incredible story we'll be right back I'm just not college material I am tired of school I'm just not sure what I want to do after graduation Sound familiar? Welcome to the Prelo Educational Institute. Our focus is to help young people prepare for life after high school. It's never too early to start planting the seed for education, career, and life overall. The Prelo Educational Institute is made up of the following two products. The first product is the book titled I Ain't Going to College, A Guide for Life After High School. This is the first book of a series that introduces middle and high school students to a young man struggling to find his way and make the decision about whether attending college is the right choice for him or not. The book has questions inside and a supplemental curriculum can also be purchased. The newest product from the Prelo Educational Institute is our online course titled Preparing for Life After High School. In this course, students will learn about decision-making, self-confidence, accountability, self-awareness, and many other topics that speak to social-emotional learning. Young people will read a story about a young man who never gave up no matter what the circumstances were. The course is interactive and has questions, quizzes, and video. Do not wait until your child or student is a senior in high school to start planning. Enroll today! To enroll and learn more, please visit www.speakerauthormarlow.com. Hi there, it's Finkley. Do you want to become the next guest on The Michael Finkley Show? Do you have an incredible story to inform, educate, and inspire others? Well, you can. Email us at michael at thefinkleyexperience.com and follow us on our social media platforms. See you soon. this is our season finale and when I saw this young man's story on TikTok I'm like I have to have him on to finish off the Michael Finkley show for season one so he's going to tell his story in his way and his own words ladies and gentlemen introducing Brandon Camel Rattan I said that yes sir how you doing Mr. Finkley thank you for having me on here man yes, I appreciate sir. you Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Welcome. I'm very well. Thanks for asking. 
That's good, man. That's good. That's good. Love to see it. We love to see it, King. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir. Definitely. And I tell you, I'm telling you, like I tell you, when I came across that that story, it was inspirational. Yeah. It was motivational. I'm just like, it puts into perspective of I'm not the only one going through, right? Yeah. I'm not the only yeah, one man. going no, through. Seriously. So, Brandon, what is, in your own words, what is your definition mm-hmm. of life? Definition of life. All right. So pretty much I feel like life is it's definitely a roller coaster mm-hmm. because when people say that you're going to have your ups and downs, you really going to have your ups and downs and you really going to feel those bumps in the road. You know what I'm saying? Because life is pretty much whatever you make it. Life is how you perceive it. Life is how you go get it. Life is how you snatch it from the air. How Life is how you how you look at it through another person's eyes while putting yourself in their shoes and your key and you you apply that to yours you get what i'm saying so when you when you think about like like how you're gonna live your life yeah how do you see yourself five steps ahead you get what i'm saying how do you see yourself in five minutes from the you now Mm. so life is about chances life is about taking necessary risk you know yeah because we only we literally only have this one life this life is a test so i honestly feel that life is it's what honestly whatever you make it out to be how do you perceive it so that's my vision that's my vision wow Wow. our perception And, and i think that we don't really take the time to realize what those next steps are like you said yeah. what is it like in the next five minutes we're i feel that at times we're just so busy and to not yeah. realize you know what life is all about because we always say that life happens but again mm-hmm. all of that right exactly we're we're the ones that that make this life happen you get what i'm saying we're the ones of like we walk our own path we're walking on two feet we don't have somebody moving our legs for us you get what I'm saying? So especially our generation, we have to understand that life is something that we have to cherish. Because one day, like I, I tell everybody, every one of my friends, we might not wake up one day. You get what I'm saying? So it's a it's matter you can't you can't go you can't go out with regret. Yeah. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? You have to understand what you're what your vision is before you can continue before you can even be built to actually fix your brain and fix your mouth to say i understand life you have to understand what is you mm-hmm. who are you mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying yeah how are you how is your reactions towards things how is your personality towards things how is your personality towards people how's your reactions towards people because your reactions to life is everything Everything. Your reactions lead to your next step. Your reactions lead to your back to your backtrack. Mm-hmm. Your reaction is everything. Your tone is everything. So that's like that's that's what I was raised on, and I and I actually thanks to my mama by her, and then I taught myself a little some things by through this through this journey. You know, it, it was I had to learn some things on my own, and my mama taught me. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. 
Yeah. And that's, that's what life is all about, it. right? Learning. Mm -hmm. Learning. That's what life is all about. Growing, improving. And exactly. I love the way you said journey. So mm -hmm. there's some things that happen in your life. You're you're 24 yeah. years old. So there's some things that yeah. happen in your life that made yeah. you the person you are today. So talk about some of those events that yeah. led to where you are now. Okay. Um, no problem, man. <laughs> you know, it's actually really funny. I can actually, I'm so comfortable with it. I can actually laugh with it now. You get what I'm saying? It's, you see, when you have that kind of feeling that you can actually sit down with that feeling and laugh with it yeah. instead of just looking at it in the face and you wanting to punch it and, and, and kill it off you. Mm. That is, that is the most settling and comfortable feeling of all time yeah. because you've grown. That shows true spiritual growth and inner growth. So like what pretty much made me I say the man of God that I am today. And I do sometimes fall short of the glory. And we'll get into that a little later, I assume. But that's um, in the Bible though. But go ahead. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> um, but man, I, I tell you, I when I tell you I've been through all three forms of abuse, it was uh mental, physical, and verbal, you know, and um going through life, it was not easy. And I'm not gonna sit here and, and say that. I'm, I'm like, I have the hardest life in the world. No, it's, I have my story. You know what I'm saying? I have my, my version of life, my version of life, how I, we live. You know what I'm saying? I had a dad that I was, when I was growing up, you know, only thing I can say that he did for me was actually, he brought me in this world and he taught me how to work out. You get what I'm saying? But I was, um, I think it was like, what, uh, seventh grade. Um, my father was, he played football, right? He was, uh, he played high football in college and he's from Louisiana. So he's country, you know, it's, he's football, football down to the core. And um, he played for LSU. He played strong safety and he's a, he's a big man now, you know what I'm saying? Two times my size. Um, broke his neck twice in college for actually hitting somebody too hard. It wasn't their fault. It was his fault. And um whole family come from football players or whatever. So basically he saw me as a, he would use me as a, like, he would try to live through me. You know what I mean? He didn't see that for years. So I was forced to play football. Like it was actually play football and get out of my house, you know? And um, it was that time was really, really, I think that's what actually made me feel like that. My dad did not, I've been called a waste of sperm by him when I lived with him. Um, this is also when me and my mom, like him and my mom would be in consistent fights. Like when I was a baby, like it was just, it was when I was young, I remember the fights that they had, you know, it was, I remember being, I remember being homeless a couple of times. Um, I remember my mom attacking my dad, like trying to light him on fire. And I, I remember all of that. It was a lot. There's a lot of um, things that, that I've seen as a little kid that I just had to sit there and stare at. You know, and I fully understand what it is now. But um, getting back to what I was saying about the football thing, yeah, he played. Basically, I was forced to play football for from seventh to ninth grade, and um, me and him got into consistent fights. The only thing that we related to, on a thirty-five percent level, was the fact that he would tell me, "Let's go to the gym," and we we would bond through that way. But until recently, I haven't told him. I haven't heard him say that he loved me in almost a couple in like since well, I'm twenty-four now, twenty-three years. Well, not 23 years, since like, what, 14 through 23, you know, and he, he just changed his ways and 
it, it's more than the football thing because it's deeper than that. And I'm trying to find the words to say it, but it's a matter of like toxic was toxic between him and my mom. It was just me and my brother will always be in the middle of uh, me being in the middle of bucking heads. So it's either you pick this side and I'm against you or you pick this side and I'm against you. But then they will whirl back into this cycle of, oh, we're good. But then, oh, we're fighting. Oh, it's after this, after that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it was just toxic, you know? And um, it's been coming from that, especially because like, it stopped in high school. Him wanting me to play football stopped in high school because he just gave up on the fact. And he would tell me that. He would tell me, oh, I'm wasted talent and blah, blah, blah. But my heart wasn't in it because I don't like hurting people, you know? Mom was battling something else along the yes. way as well, correct? Yes, she was actually battling stage three breast cancer. And mm -hmm. um, she got diagnosed with that two years ago. Two years ago, a year, I think it was two two or one year ago. I'm not too sure I can like blatantly remember, but it was in early February. And um, I'm gonna start back from like what happened to us leading to that, you yep. know what I'm saying? Um, so we were actually, I was actually living with my homeboy at the time before I was actually living out a car that um, that I, I was actually living out my friend's car that she let me have. I was just making the payments. And then that just turned into a whole toxic trade. But, um, and then I started, I decided to live with my friend, which was, he was right down the street. Let me stay with him for like uh, half a year. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom, I didn't know where my mom was after we got evicted from my dad's apartment after me and him had that, had that terrible terrible lash out like it was he he got sent to jail and i i broke my hand because i i threw my hand in a between glass and wall because i i punched the bricks off of it so it was like it was crazy that was like the maddest i've ever been in my life and um after that my mom like my mom just went somewhere and i i left because my mom was treating me bad you know because she was still on the xanax and the drinking and um, when I left, she was living with my grandmother. My grandmother has dementia and um, is developing Alzheimer's. And um, she was taking care of her, had a regular on medicine, and I was staying with my friends for six months. Okay, cool. And then come me and my mom started to build our relationship back. I'm starting to talk to her little by little because I was done. I was done. I was finished because I couldn't take the stress anymore from both of them. You get what I'm saying? Because when one leaves, the other decides to, you know. So going forward, I um, build, starting to build a relationship back with my mom. And, you know, I start, I go back to go live with her at my grandmother's house. Now, my grandmother's a hoarder, a level five hoarder. Okay. So I'm talking like you open that front door, you have two options. You have a fork in the road that leads to the kitchen or the bedroom. And when I say boxes stacked from high to high, my grandmother's bedroom had 20, in total of 26 lamps from Ross, unopened. Now you tell me what, what that kind of order looks like. Exactly. So my mom was taking care of her. And, um, and then some time goes by and then my mom discovers this, like she has a, like a lump in there. You know, she wasn't too worried about it. And my uncle said, go get that checked. And then we, we didn't go get a check because we didn't really like care for it. You know, actually, no, she found out about the lump before we got evicted from the apartment. Because my, my dad told us, said, what's that lump on your chest? You know, 
so he found that but then going forward um my grandmother's house was actually going to get foreclosed on because payments weren't being made roof was deteriorating water was cut off wiring was completely off and they basically the community that she lived in wanted us out you know what i'm saying and um we held out for as long as we could um my grandmother i i we don't even we don't we moved before we can even handle her because her and my mom's relationship is is done that is my mom if you ask my mom about the relationship with her mother with my grandmother is it's terrible because she says the same thing i feel she has the same thing i feel about my dad she she wasn't a real mother to her you know even growing up so we left it was just me and her and um i was just and i was working my gnc job i was actually working at walgreens right and um I was working at Walgreens for that time period and I was only making about $12 an hour. So I had, I had a car payment and I had, um, I just developed car insurance. I just made a car insurance and I was just, I guess, trying to save my money, you know, but I wasn't making much because I was also, I mean, I was full-time, but I was still wasn't making much, you know? Um, whew, wow. This is crazy. This is actually wild going through these events. Um, and then, Actually, how I got my job, um, the manager from my job, from manager from my job now at one of the branches actually referred me because of my customer service skills. Like I, I've only known him for like four days because he came consistently for four days, and he's like, "I want you to work for me." I was like, "Wow!" And he's like, "Where do you work?" He's, "I work at a credit union." I was like, "Oh my gosh, are you serious?" So, I got that job, blase blase, and then my, I see my mom's health going a little down. Okay, and then. I, uh, I actually, when we got, um, before we got foreclosed on at the house, I was able to put us in the place that I'm in now, in the um, apartment that I'm in now, because um, I saved enough money. I grinded hard, you know what I'm saying? I was saving hard and um, I was working. This is when, this is actually the start of everything, okay? February. Um, she comes, we go to the doctor because she's feeling horrible. She's feeling sick or whatever. She got tested, blah, blah, blah. And then we found out she had stage three. I burst out in tears because I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I, what am I going to do? She tells me it's going to be okay. We're going to be good, blah, blah, blah. Then months roll by, months roll by. She starts chemotherapy. They give her the red devil at first shot. So she had 32 rounds of that. 32 rounds every single day and it's just you know every i'm pretty sure everybody know everybody on here knows the effects of chemo and everything and um health just going down 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 and i have to find ways to pay for everything because i'm literally paying for everything by myself you get what i'm saying so this is when i work in my i tell myself you need to get another job and i'm working i got the job at the bank and then i'm still working at walgreens and then I started working uh, at Planet Fitness. No, no, no. I got the job at the bank. I worked at Planet Fitness. And then this is around the time that the Christmas tree job was around. So I was working literally morning, evening, and overnight. And then I would have to come back to my mom to take care of her in the middle uh, at like five o'clock in the morning because she would be throwing up like blast, like blasted. And I would have to be to work for, um, for, 
no, I will come home at six. Yeah, I'll come home at six and then I have to be to work for seven. And I would come home at like 6.30. I remember, I'll never forget this. My mom was throwing up bad and I literally only had 20 minutes of sleep and I had to do that all over again. Come home at the same exact time from 7 a.m. from 7 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then I had to act and hold in the pain. Nobody, I, I don't think I ever experienced that kind of pain in my life. Nobody understands how, how much that hurts when your body does not have proper rest. But I was just smiling through it because it literally was just, it, it would literally just evaporate from my mind. Some people would say, like, when I just, when I say this to them, I try not to say to them because, you know, some people would be like, oh, you don't have to do that. You're just choosing to work though. I don't want, I ain't got time for that. You know, because I don't want to sit here and explain myself. You, you don't know what I have to do in order. And for you to tell me that, that, um, oh, I choose to work three jobs. No, because I'm paying rent. I'm paying over $3,000. I'm, I, my income was money coming in was way less than money going out. So I had to make it work, but the bills were still paid somehow by the grace of God, you know? And, um, I, I remember one time where I went to, I actually went to Orlando for Halloween Horror Nights, right? And I couldn't, I was going with my aunts because I just, I wanted a break, you know? And um, when I went, I had to go, I had to drive up to Orlando, which is three hours from me, right? Drive up to Orlando, go to the theme park, and then I had to drive back down to be to work for seven. I left the theme park at five. No, I left the theme park. Yeah, I left the theme park at, no, at like 12 o'clock at night. And then it took me three hours to get home. So I only had a couple hours of sleep, but I, I still pushed through it. You know, I went from working at a bank to lifting trees, like 10, 12 foot trees. And, you know, putting on people's cars and everything to an overnight job at Planet Fitness, you know. So um, I did that for at least five months. I did that for at least five months. Wow. That was probably like the toughest time. That is, wow. As you tell your story, it's yeah. just like, you know it was God in that because oh, yeah. you can't, oh, we yeah. can't keep ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We can't keep ourselves. We can't take care of ourselves like he can take mm -hmm. care of us and he brought you through it. And what would you say to persons in America that are maybe going through the same things that you are going through, have went through in your life? Mm -hmm. What I would say to them, uh, Mike, I honestly want people to understand that there is a light at, at, at the end of every tunnel. I know it sounds cheesy, but when there's a will, there's a way. You want to be stronger for the people that you care about. You get what I'm saying? You want to be that, you want to be that threshold. You want to be that tower that people look at you and be like, wow, it's really possible. Mm -hmm. You know, and... <sighs> Going through what I went through with my dad, with with um, with um, with my mom, with the whole, with the whole couple of years behind me, and it's like, there really is a way out for everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't give up. Don't feed into what your mind is telling you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because your spirit, it's your spirit that wants to push, but your mind is gonna tell you no because the enemy wants your mind. He's not going to attack your body. He's not going to attack. He's not going to attack your spirit. He wants your mind because that is the weakest part of us. Ooh. That is the weakest part of us. And once we, once we give that up, 
we are vulnerable. We become vulnerable to the negative emotion. That's what holds us back. The I can't, the it's impossible, the the it's never going to happen, the I'll never be happy. No, you cannot make yourself vulnerable to that negative emotion. What you have to do, you have to understand that emotion and work over it. You have to get through it in order to get through it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes, so sir. it's a, it's, it makes, if you have, you the way you build the will, the way you build up the want to do it, is analyze. I always tell my friends to analyze what you're feeling. Have a me-to-me conversation. Mm-hmm. Analyze how you feel. Analyze that sadness. Recognize where it came from and then burst through it. Right. Attack it head on because yeah. there's no possible way that you can say, that you can tell me, oh, I just brushed it under the rug. No, because if you brush it under the rug, dust flies right out as soon as you let the carpet loose. Say so. You feel me? Like, come so. on, like, what, like what, what, where's it? it? It's still in the house. Still there, yeah. Still it's there. still in the house. You got to mm-hmm. sweep it out. Yeah. Take the dustpan, throw it in the trash can. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. Love that. I love that. You, you have to, you have to be, you have to be more open with yourself in order to understand what's going on around you. So never give up is more than just a saying to me. It's an action. It is an action. Do not fall. Do not sell yourself short than what you can be and what you will be because God has a plan for everybody. And just because you, it's not your time yet. Oh, come on. Just because it's not your time yet. You have your time coming. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's just because true. you think you're, you're stagnant right now. Mm-hmm. Because that, another thing about it, I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up right now, but just because you think that it's not always the enemy that wants that's that's keeping you stagnant god can be that reason too Mm -hmm. he's doing it he god is not always the enemy that's hurting you god is hurting you to humble you Mm -hmm. god is hurting you to bring your spirit back to him god is hurting you so he can open your eyes more to open your spirit more because you are we choke our spirits Mm. we as humans choke our spirits Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not always the enemy. We got to stop. It's the enemy that's enemy that. No, no, no. God has his ways too now. But it's all out of love. That's the difference. That's it. That's a purpose for it. That's a all purpose. All things work together. For there the is a purpose in the now faith. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I'm saying? Wow. wow. There is a purpose wow. in the now faith. You know? And I had to truly learn what faith was, man. Through mm-hmm. all this in trials and tribulations, I truly had to learn what faith was because I had one hand up to God and one hand on my mom. Yeah. God said, no, give me both. both and I got it. So never give up. It's more than just a saying to me. It is an action. Right. That's what it is, man. I love this, y'all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How can they find you on social media? Um, you can follow me on IG underscore she loves Mufasa. That's my nickname. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mufasa 4K Savage is my Twitter, and Mufasa 10K is my TikTok. So, you know what I'm saying? It's your friendly neighborhood lion, my boy. That's how I call it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little trademark. I wasn't, prepared. I wasn't prepared for that last part. <laughs> <laughs> friendly neighborhood lion, yes, sir. Oh, Brandon, all your information is in the description below. Thank yes, you sir. so much for just being so honest, so truthful, so open with us and telling your story. I know that many persons listening will be healed. I know I was encouraged by it. 
we're in the midst of it. We hope that healing continues to come to you. Thank you. I appreciate you, Mike. Calling all trio, gear up, Jack, and other college readiness organizations. Hello everybody, it's Finkley with the Finkley Experience. I am here to offer you information about our College Readiness Cohort Series. This College Readiness Series includes college applications, SAT, ACT prep, scholarships, financial aid, the mental mind state, HBCU versus PWI versus technical colleges, and so much more. You know this is helpful because it's actually like making me change my college plan. Really? If you're interested, visit our website thefinkleyexperience.com or just email us at michael at thefinkleyexperience.com. We're looking forward to working with you. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Michael Finkley Show. I hope that you got something from Brandon's story. As I said before, we met via TikTok, incredible story. And I said, I, I want him to finish us off for the season finale. So I hope you got something from it, Brandon. Uh, we, we're brothers now, okay? We're brothers now. I'm your older brother, okay? <laughs> if you ever need us, we're here, definitely. Y'all, this is it. This is it, the last show of the season. This is incredible. This is this. Uh, this is an incredible feeling. Incredible feeling. We have again an interview persons, and we have seen the aftermath. One person that comes to mind, Robert Woodbury. He was running for mayor, um, being the if elected, being the first black mayor of Mullins, which is our home, my hometown, and now he's mayor, right? We've interviewed persons that were in prison, but now they're changing their life around. Lester and Chris, y'all, I just want to say thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I promise you for season two, we're gonna to continue to blow your socks off. Tell others about us. Tell others about that little country boy from Mullins, South Carolina that are interviewing people and making an impact in the world today. I'm just, again, so excited because you're still making my dreams come true. This is not a goodbye, but this is a see you later. New Year's coming up. We have some brand new awesome things. Subscribe to our channel at The Michael Finkley Show and ring that bell for notification. If you would love to be a guest on The Michael Finkley Show, email us at michael.thefinkleyexperience.com. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook and on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't say that enough. Thank you. You all enjoy your family this holiday season. Love up on them. Kiss them. All right. Enjoy them. And also, most importantly, enjoy yourself. Thank you so much for watching. And we will see you next season. Have a good one.